Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about software engineering companies, how you can found your company. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Chad Perry. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, big pleasure. I want to learn more about that because I know software engineering is growing. You, you, a lot of opportunities, and uh, most of my audience consists. Uh, from students who want to uh, achieve new level on their mm-hmm. career and uh, I have business owners who want to uh, take it you know to uh, use software engineering before we start just tell more about yourself experience background and why you decided to share with us your experience of creating these companies yeah great well great question on the on the end there so uh, the, first of all, is my background. I started coding when I was 14 years old, and I ended up sell, building and selling my first software product when I was 15. And this was back in the days of shareware in the late 1990s. And I ended up starting to consult with startups. And then from there, I went to university, and that was kind of pointless. But I ended up meeting my business partner there, and we ended up starting a, an enterprise, what turned into an enterprise software company. And then from there, um, so that company is still active and growing. So I moved on and uh, have done some other things since then. Started, co-founded a, another company uh, that I was party to, the, the original founding team. And what I found over the last 20 years or so is that, uh, and, and this really applies across the board. This is not just, this is not just entrepreneurs who are starting, to, who are starting a company, uh, like a, a software company. This is just really most entrepreneurs, the hardest part is actually getting, is getting customers. I mean, that seems like a black box. So unless you're a specialist in marketing and you're, you're starting something and you, and you happen to know how to market and get customers, um, the, the, the other part of the business, like there are challenges there, but that tends to be a little bit easier if you're a specialist and say like I was in software, I can build software all day long, but marketing and getting customers was this black box. And I noticed that uh, as I worked with clients over the years, from startups to all the way to to big companies, that tends to come down to not really being fully aligned and and really understanding the problem that you're solving and what you're trying to accomplish for your customers. So understanding their pain. And that actually translates uh, and to, I mean, that, that definitely affects the features and things like that, that you build if you're building a product, but moreover, it affects how you communicate your, with your, your customers. So if you're trying to write SEO, for example, or you're trying to write any kind of copy or ads, that stuff is going to make or break depending on how well you understand your offer. So that's why I was interested in talking to you because I think that that's, it seems to be where you focus. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, uh, you mentioned about your education was pointless in university. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think I had the same experience because uh, I don't remember anything from my university, and I've learned uh, anything from through experience. And I think the modern education is obsolete. You know, the methods of uh, teaching, <laughs> yeah. the methods of getting all the skills. It's the same. For example, you know, uh, one of my um, 
listeners ask me, if I listen all your episodes, can I be a good marketer? I reply to him, no, you can't. You can't because it's not about learning. It's more about implementation. You need to choose right episodes with great speakers uh, and learn from them and think how you can adapt these ideas. You don't need to listen all these episodes. Just choose something that can help you to find a door that you need to open. That's it now. So I agree with that. I remember Neil Patel shared uh, about that, that he wasted uh, five years in college, you know, in university because... (laughs) because uh, college can help you. Uh, it's more about experience. It's more about practical. Uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, Chad, can you tell about um, uh, unique selling proposition? For example, we have other uh, software engineer companies. Uh, what kind of benefits you have? Uh, because in marketing, we have uh, interesting quote. If you sell to anyone, you sell to no one. So uh, tell about your unique selling proposition. Why your companies are better than uh, existing companies that we have today? Are you are you asking in general? So how you would how you yeah. develop a unique selling proposition? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the best place to start is with this idea of the universal customer journey. So you, in marketing, you hear a lot about well, you you got to figure out what your customer journey is. And frankly, that can get kind of complicated because depending on the product you're selling and who you're selling it to, say, for example, you're selling into a business, which is the most generally the most lucrative unless you're planning on on scaling. So if you have a B2B offer and you're selling into an enterprise, a lot of times you have multiple decision makers. And so the way that they understand the core problem and the things that they care about and the way that they communicate and the things that they're going to respond to are going to be slightly different. So the wording you might use, or like, for example, a landing page that you might make for somebody in the decision-making value chain might be different depending on who, who you are talking to. So if it's a COO versus, um, versus a line level manager. And so the, the, the core of that though comes back to this idea of the, the, uh, the universal customer journey, which is that everybody, all of us, at every point in life, the the problems that we solve are really along this chain of we have a pain that alerts us to a problem, and then we go looking for a solution to that problem, and that solution we expect deli- to deliver some kind of meaningful change, which is what we call an outcome. And then once we have that outcome, there is a sense of relief. So there are actually five points along that that sequence and so if you imagine that as a line and then and then that sequence is the the wording you use uh, for that sequence is slightly different for depending on who you're talking to so the important thing to understand is that we as a solution provider or an engineer or whatever it is we tend to think about our business in terms of our product and our solution and how amazing it is and if you go look at uh, if you go look at uh, just take any random sample of, of marketing websites or landing pages. You'll see this all over the place. Marketers and companies tend to talk about how amazing they are. Whereas yeah. our customers almost always care exclusively about what's going on outside of that, like on, on the other end of that spectrum. So they care about the pain that they have and they care about the, the change that you can deliver and so that's a fundamental shift that we have to make and we have to consistently remind ourselves of as a marketer or a business owner that anytime we start 
we create a unique selling proposition or, or just, just conceptualize what we're doing for somebody, we need to think in terms of the pain that we're, that we're taking, that we're taking somebody out of, because that's ultimately what's happening is, is as humans, we want to be taken out of pain. And so we care less about how that's done. We care somewhat about the, the end state, which is kind of like the heaven where we're going. And then we care a lot more about this hurts. And all I want to do is get rid of this pain. So that's where I would start for a unique selling proposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about how to learn customers. Uh, because I see uh, it's a big issue with many uh, companies. Uh, they use generic data uh, from tools, online studies, but it doesn't mean that your customers are, uh, you know, the same. Yeah, because uh, we can have different customers. And I found that big companies can spend time to learn their customers on social media, uh, to take other data. Can you tell your methods how to learn customers before uh, creating marketing message or campaigns? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to make sure I understand the question here. So how the question seems to be, how would I understand, how would I connect with what customers really want yeah. in terms yeah. of their Yeah, their what pain? customers really need, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the best place to start is if you already have customers. So if you don't understand or if you don't have any experience in a particular offer that you're trying to make, that's a, that's a hard place to be. And it's not impossible. It's just that you have to understand that it's a matter of and if you're in that case, if you're in that position, there's a lot of experimentation. So the, the best thing you can do at that point is to have as many conversations as you can with as many people as as you can. And so that may mean foregoing an attempt to sell them, for example, uh, and just just contacting, maybe cold contacting people on LinkedIn and saying, "Hey, this is what I'm working on. Uh, I'm not actually sure if this is this if I'm on the right track. I would love to get your feedback on this problem." And of course, you remember whenever you're contacting anybody, you always want to offer them something, even if it's you know, something soft, like, Hey, you know, I just, I think this may be a problem. Would you be interested in talking about it? And you'll find out pretty quickly if people, you know, if people are actually going to respond to that. Um, the other way is if you have the budget, of course you can run ads and that's a really expensive way to learn. And a lot of times that's why ad campaigns are so expensive is because that offer is not dialed in. Uh, but it is one option for, for learning. So does that, does that kind of get to your question? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, let's talk about uh, personalization. For example, uh, you mentioned that you can reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, and by the way, um, you know, I get every single day a lot of uh, templates on my email or, and mm -hmm. LinkedIn as well. People are trying to sell me something that I don't need at all. They don't care about me. They don't care about anything. Uh, they just send templates uh, and my spam inbox uh, loves all these people yeah, I unite them in one place you know uh, on my spam uh, spam inbox can you tell about personalization how to learn uh, recipients before sending any any message how uh, to learn what kind of uh, uh, email to write to them and uh, how uh, because you know uh, many uh, companies are busy for example I'm so busy I have no time to check out just generic templates but if uh, I just uh, you know I usually uh, 
spend like a few seconds, you know, to check out email. If I can't uh, get attention, so I just leave it and, uh, and uh, uh, sometimes I can send to a spam inbox. Tell about personalization, how to find the right words uh, to recipients yeah. uh, when you sell something. Yeah, well, the, the very first thing before you even get to personalization is making sure that you have that you narrow that funnel as as much as possible. So mm -hmm. the idea of having a curated prospect database and, you know, you could put this in Excel, you could put it in HubSpot. They have a free CRM, um, but that that takes time or money as as do all mm -hmm. things. And there are there are fantastic sources of high quality data that are very expensive, like um like zoom info. That's, that's one. I think they're like 40 or 60 grand a year for their, for their high end offer. Uh, so if you don't have access to that, which doesn't make sense for a lot of small, small business owners, uh, then it's a matter of taking the time. So at least just sitting down and thinking about what the, uh, what your core audience is. And, and again, this comes back to really understanding your niche, understanding the problem that you're trying to solve. So at a minimum, you could go to LinkedIn and you could see what their search criteria are and you can at least narrow by what those criteria are. So you could start there and you may end up with a list of 10,000 uh, 10, people. But uh, beyond that, in terms of actual personalization, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, and it, depending on your market, it, it may be, uh, and this is why niching down is so powerful and i would mm -hmm. say at this point it's really necessary because you just can't get people's attention with a generic offer so you have to start with somebody that you know needs something in the ballpark and they may not need it right now uh but at least you know you're you're closer so you know your your general rule of like three percent of people are are buying now at any given time within a certain market then at least you know that applies uh, and then in terms of personalization, the, I, the only solution I've come up with to that is to actually take the time, like you mentioned, to to at least scan through a profile. I, I, I honestly like I don't know any other. I mean, unless you have AI or, or whatever it is. But if you're if you're sending generic messages. So, for example, um, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been running an experiment where I've been sending out uh, automated messages on LinkedIn and when I first started, I started with a very generic message and no surprise, it really didn't get much of a response. And then I changed it to something that was more of a, it was actually less of a hard sell. And it was more of like, Hey, just want to let you know, I'm, you know, I'm connecting with you. This is, I wanted to introduce myself. This is what I do. And then I added an offer to it. I said, Hey, uh, I've got an extensive network. If you need you know, if you need anything, please, please let me know. And that, um, that allowed me to start a conversation without necessarily having to be, uh, dig into the specifics of their profile. And then I could go look at their profile once that conversation was started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Love it. Uh, let's talk about marketing strategy. Can you share your methods, how to create a marketing strategy? Because, uh, you know, uh, uh, many startups uh, just use generic methods uh, to analyze their competitors. For example, if they get SEO traffic, they jump in SEO field. Uh, if they use YouTube, they can start educational YouTube channel. But it doesn't mean that uh, you can uh, replicate competitors uh, on their mm -hmm. strong side. Uh, 
Yeah, you need to consider your strong side. And, uh, for example, um, I remember when someone told me, you know, check out my competitors, they get a lot of SEO traffic, check out their blog, we need to write uh, such blog post. I, I, I told him, okay, okay, we can. Can you write such blog post? It's not simple. You need to right, right. Uh, know how to write. You need to... Uh, okay, if you have even this experience uh, on this field, but you need to have skills to write awesome text. That's interesting to read. Once I have the conversation with Jim Edwards, he worked in Business Insider for 10 years, and he told me their success depends on creating non-boring content in boring niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he started. They started company from scratch and sold for five hundred million dollars, uh, thousand employees. But it's interesting. He told that uh, you need to create non-boring content if you wanna win. Uh, that's why I usually tell uh, consider your strong sides. Forget about competitors. Think, uh, okay, if you are strong with filming, just do it. If you are strong with writing, do it. Or mm-hmm. if you can uh, outsource someone who can do this job, why not? So right. you, you can do it. Tell about uh, finding the right marketing strategy. Yeah, well, I would add to what you said and, and that you, I, I tend to go with the simplest possible uh, thing that's going to work. And that has a couple of advantages. One is we just can't spread our attention, especially if we're an individual. Uh, even even if we're good at multiple things, you still, if you're spreading your attention across multiple projects or multiple content streams, and you you know, let's say you got a podcast and YouTube channel, and you're trying to post to LinkedIn, and I just see so many people getting on that content treadmill, and they're just they're not producing anything that's valuable because they're producing a whole bunch of stuff that's, that's just not, that's just low quality. And so the first thing I would suggest is figure out where your customers hang out. Is it, is it LinkedIn? Is it YouTube? YouTube there, YouTube is a, is a very underrated resource for, for B2B because people are there a lot of times to, to learn. Right. So if it's YouTube, if it's LinkedIn, um, if it's a, if, if you're, targeting customers and you obviously know it's it's facebook uh, or you know things like instagram and other social uh, but figure out where your people are hanging out and pick one method to reach them so if you're going to start a youtube channel do the youtube channel don't worry about all the other content just just like because if you can yeah. if you can build the youtube channel then you can build other content if you build the 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 podcast so that's what I would suggest is just picking one thing and making sure that the content that you're developing for that is is as high a quality as possible. So if you can only post one video a week, which is actually a lot, I mean, that, that's that's what's typically recommended on YouTube. Don't post a video every day. Post a really good video once a week and understand that it's going to take a while for that to, to get traction. But in the long term, that's going to have momentum that just posting a bunch of crap is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, by the way, uh, you know, I, I I love it, but, you know, uh, I, I have a quite different approach. Uh, let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I remember Gary Vee uh, shares about uh, 
to be consistent, you know, to uh, post as maximum as possible and think more about quantity than quality. And um, uh, then I've learned from Mr. Beast and PewDiePie. Uh, uh, these guys uh, posted a lot. Uh, and if I remember correctly, PewDiePie uh, uh, created video content for an year and a half uh, to get only first thousand subscribers. Uh, PewDiePie uh, filmed 100 videos to get 285 subscribers. Today, both uh, have more than 110 million subscribers, a lot. Mm. And uh, I found one interesting thing. For example, if you want, if you have no experience on YouTube uh, and uh, are willing to create awesome content, it's hard to get results uh, from first, second, and third video. You need to improve your uh, quality, but you can do it with quantity. So uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's why I usually use another approach. For example, I film videos and share on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, because most posts are dying fast now. So, uh, but you can get experience and confidence to uh, film video content. Mm -hmm. uh, then, uh, when you are ready, you can film uh, the best possible video, as you mentioned, on YouTube, uh, submit it, but uh, you can create uh, crap, you know, <laughs> bad videos mm -hmm. uh, for other social media, uh, because many bloggers, what they do, they take home, you know, film, uh, submit, um, Okay, but you, uh, it's more important to get experience and confidence. It's it's my approach now. Yeah, yeah. Quality because of quantity. It's like you know many sportsmen. Uh, uh, I don't know, like Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. They train every every single day, but they play uh, uh, in World Cup in some competition. But they train every single day. You need to train your skills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Be better on that. So, so one way you can accomplish that is by repurposing content. And I'm sure that you're, you know, you've mastered the art of this, uh, at this point, but so say, let's say, for example, that you're creating YouTube videos, then you absolutely want to be, uh, repurposing that content in terms of like, if it's a, let's say it's an interview like this, you could split this up into clips. So that's a tactic that you see a lot. And then SEO, uh, keyword optimize each one of those clips you could turn each one of those into an article uh, you can get the 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 transcript uh, transcribed so that you can start getting the seo from that and then you could post those so uh, yeah I, I actually agree with you on on that and in terms of how you have to get the the reach to be picked up by the algorithm so it's it's a balance and uh, it's not easy i mean and and frankly yeah. if you don't if you going back to the offer, like if you don't know what your audience wants, and so you take somebody like Mr. Beast, uh, I, I guarantee you, if you ask him about this, when he first started, he wouldn't have had any idea what kind of videos he's making at this point. But now he knows exactly what kind of videos to make. So you do have to get that practice and you have to narrow in. So you have to think about it kind of like a, like a, a funnel almost. Yeah, by the way, Mr. Beast uh, filmed first videos on a web camera on his laptop because he couldn't allow smartphone. <laughs> so, you know, it's more about passion and uh, uh, it's not about editing videos. Just uh, do your job. If you can't edit, just film uh, if you can. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the selfie, selfie camera works. I mean, if it's good quality content or if it's, mm -hmm. if it's engaging, compelling content, and as yeah. long as it's not just absolute trash, as long as they can actually see you. And most smartphones are now so high quality that, mm -hmm. yeah, that you could do that. 
you, you mentioned about repurposing. Uh, you know, it's a trap as well uh, because uh, I see when uh, many content creators repurpose content without uh, and don't consider the audience on different social media or platform. Uh, mm-hmm. Just uh, submit the content, and uh, I did it in 2020. I decided to grow my LinkedIn network and. Um, but I repurpose content on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, many other platforms. But I didn't engage with the audience. Uh, mm. This content didn't work. I didn't get any results uh, because uh, that was mistake. You know, uh, people are uh, even if we you reach out to the same people, they have a different mindset. On Facebook, on YouTube, uh, it's like I don't know if you go to the beach or you go to Walmart or any other place. So you have different mindset on different places. Uh, can you tell about repurposing content that will bring results? Because it's not about uh, submitting content. You need to invite audience to engage with the audience to tell them that I have some interesting content for them. Yeah, well, I think you already nailed it, and and that is first of all that different on different platforms, people are looking for different things, uh, for starters. And then also if you don't engage with your audience, there's no, I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert in how the algorithms work on these, these posts, but yeah, if you're just posting something and it's not really valuable, um, or there's no engagement such that it gets boosted in the algorithm, then nobody's going to see it. And, and if they, even if they do, nobody's going to care about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Chad, I, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list common mistakes that content creators still do and your tips how to find a much better way? Yeah, well, for <laughs> this is just a personal gripe, but the, the first is, uh, you see this a lot on, on YouTube, but, uh, people begging for likes and subscribes. I, I just, that, that rubs me the wrong way. And it's so, it's so, this is, this is reflective of the mindset that's necessary, the mindset shift that's necessary to, to really create something of value for somebody. It's this idea of, hey, I'm creating this content and you owe me something for creating this content versus, hey, I'm creating this content and I'm really thinking about what your problem is and how to solve your problem. So uh, an example of how to make that shift would be if you're, if you're saying, hey, uh, and I've actually seen digital marketing uh, companies do this where they're like, Hey, this would really help me out. If you, if you liked and subscribe. Well, uh, so I, like, I'm not going to take the time to like, and subscribe just because you want, you want some help. What about me? How, how about you help me? Um, uh, so, so a better way to say that would be something like, um, Hey, if you want more content like this, if you want YouTube to recommend more content like this, then be sure to like, and subscribe. Um, so that that's just a, it's just a small wording change, but it it changes that mindset from what I want to what you want, and it what you want is also good for me, which is what what a, a truly valuable. Uh, I mean, I think that that's what truly valuable businesses are made on. Like that's the mm-hmm. whole point of an economic transaction is the money that somebody is paying you to solve their problem is in theory to them it's it's the the resolution to that problem is worth more than the money that they're giving you. But your ability to resolve that problem is uh, the money is worth more to you. So it's a, it's like everybody wins in that in that transaction. And so that's what you want to think in terms of your content. So you want to be stating a problem. You want to be stating uh, the 
the cost of not solving that problem. And then you want to be offering some kind of solution to that problem. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree. It creates the feeling, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember exactly how it goes. But, you know, uh, for example, if people get value, uh, they want to get more value. Uh, they want to uh, consume more content because of the value. Uh, so they subscribe or follow you because of getting value before. They need just more value, <laughs> simply. So if you tell them, uh, uh, okay, I have the question about uh, call to action. For example, you know, uh, some of my content got like uh, 300,000 views. Uh, I had some uh, customers who told me they got a million views, but nobody uh, bought their products. Can you tell about adding call to action? For example, if I film great video, educational video, helping video, but how to tell uh, people who watch this video to take actions, to buy products, to subscribe to uh, my ebook, anything about that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a complicated topic, right? Uh, so the, the call to action follows from, it should be, a, it should follow naturally from what I just described. So if you're, if you're stating a problem, so you're, you're establishing rapport with your audience and, and that, Hey, I understand your problem and I can describe it better than you can. And here's the cost of not solving that problem. So you're creating urgency by talking about the cost of it. And then the solution that you're offering is not, Here's how to, here's exactly how to solve this problem, X, Y, and Z. The solution is actually to, is, is actually a, a shift in their beliefs. So this is, this is like the entire essence of marketing is that when you're, uh, when you engage with somebody who has a problem, there's a reason that they haven't solved that problem. And it's not because the solution, they can't find the solution by going and, and, and digging up all the information on it. It's not like you have some secret formula that nobody else in the world has. So the, that's the first thing is to understand that the reason that they haven't solved the problem is not for lack of information. It's because they have some sort of belief or misunderstanding that, that prevents them from taking action. So if you're successful in shifting that belief and in showing them, so that's the solution that you're giving them is you're showing them that there is a path to out of that pain to solve that problem. And then the call to action is just an invitation to take the next step. And this is, you know, CTAs are, are tricky. And a lot of times I think companies go wrong where they're trying to sell the, the high ticket item or the, the they're trying to sell the product on the cta or example like let's say you you run an ad on i don't know facebook or youtube or whatever it is and the the ad so you're selling an e-commerce product or something so they the common mistake made there is that that uh businesses are trying to sell the product in the ad itself but what you really need to be doing is selling the next step so you want to think about it as a, as a transition. And so you need to gain people, you need to gain customers trust and you need to gain their, um, uh, you need to have r rapport with them. So uh, in terms of a CTA, that CTA needs to be a baby step. It's, if it's too big, they're just, they're not going to be able to make that, that leap. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Love it. Uh, I have the question. Let's imagine you started from scratch. 
without any experience. Uh, forget about your 20 years of experience. Uh, uh, what will you do today to learn more about marketing and sales? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough because if I didn't have any of the experience, I wouldn't know where to go. But uh, I think I would start with YouTube. I, I would how, you know, how to and then because the the biggest challenge with uh, with learning what you need to be successful is the fact that there's this wide world and there are all these options and there's all these paths to success, but you don't know which one is going to work for you and you don't know which one actually leads to success and, and doesn't. So knowing, finding out what you don't know and then seeing the common threads that people are talking about. So very quickly, like if, for example, if you actually searched on, you know, how to do SEO or how to do YouTube ads or, or, or LinkedIn ads, you would, you would very quickly see people saying the same thing over and over again, maybe in slightly different ways, but that's what I would look for. I would just go out there and I would consume as much content as possible. And then I would start experimenting and, and ads are expensive. So if you didn't have any money to start with, you'd have to start with, um, uh, and in fact, just personally, uh, what I found works really well is, um, if you, if you start a podcast, for example, and you can, you can host a podcast for free on, um, what is it? Anchor.fm, whatever the, the Spotify, Spotify acquired, acquired them. So you can get a, you can set up a whole podcast for free and people are very responsive. They want to be on podcasts. And so you can actually connect with very well, uh, very successful, very well-connected people, uh, just by reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this podcast. And again, though, you want to be thinking in terms of what's in it for them and what's in it for my listeners. But if you can connect those two dots, then, uh, then right there, you've got a, a network. And once you have a conversation, a 45 minute conversation with somebody where you're making them look good and, and you're bringing out the best in them, they're going to be interested in reciprocating. So that's what I would do. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Awesome tips. Uh, what do you think about the future? What kind of future will be? Uh, can you forecast the future uh, in marketing and sales? Because many things are coming metaverse, uh, augmented reality, I don't know, many other stuff. Uh, and uh, I often get the question, uh, SEO will be dead, uh, uh, LinkedIn will be dead, I don't know, many other stuff will be dead. But yeah, probably they will be dead in one day. I remember when Jeff Bezos shared on his meeting that Amazon will be bankrupt in one day. But we need to procrastinate this date as maximum as possible. So <laughs> right, think, right. Uh, nothing works forever. Uh, but even if you SEO will be dead. Uh, it takes time, many, many years, like uh, a few decades, you know, to uh, to overcome something because of new text, because of new reality. But you can get experience. It doesn't matter. Uh, right now, I see SEO is growing. LinkedIn is growing. Many other marketing channels are growing. Can you tell about the future? How to uh, consider uh, something that will come today uh, from your experience, uh, adapt faster than your competitors? Yeah. Yeah. My sense is, is that ad saturated, like we are, we are bombarded with ads and marketing all day long. And so we're getting to this point of saturation where there are ads in everything. And so we just, we just tune it out. And the, the only solution that I see to that is to go back to the basics and understand that throughout all of human history, the things, if, if you look at like what, what fundamentally makes somebody successful, 
in, in a community of, of any sort of business community or a civil community, it is that they have good relationships based on actually providing value to their community. And so we have tools that are evolving our ability to have those relationships. Uh, but, but fundamentally people, we, we want relationships like, and that goes back to the personalization you were saying, well, if we're looking for ways to, to personalize, uh, the guaranteed way to personalize a message and, and to have it be as, as genuine as possible is to actually make it genuine. And so if you're reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn, uh, that may mean taking the time to, to, um, uh, to, to establish that relationship and to be genuine. And, you know, I, I don't know what the future of high volume uh, I, I don't know, I'd say this like high volume services it is because, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely a place for that. Um, but if it, this, like, I, I don't know what I would do if, if I had to choose any kind of business to start, um, it wouldn't be a high volume business, it, especially if you're starting from scratch, going back to that question, it would be a high ticket, high touch uh, business because that's going to be based on things that are in your control, like, like the relationships. And then once you get to that point, then you understand an offer and then you can start using tools to, to automate because, you know, marketing is not going away. Advertising is not going away. It's just that the tools are going to evolve. So if you look at YouTube, for example, um, the, I think it's amazing what's happening with, with YouTube now where creators are, are building the ads into their videos and, you know, on the one hand, you could say, well, that that's just polluting good content with ads, but if they're relevant and if they're done well, and a lot of creators are really good at, at, at making ads where they're completely relevant. And sometimes you can't even really tell that they're going into an ad. That to me is the kind of advertising saturated world that I want to live in if I have a choice. So there are ways to get that high volume, but I would say that the future I think is is for people starting from scratch is to just do something with uh, high touch relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think my opinion, uh, if you have experience on existing environment, you will be successful in future environment because uh, it's mm-hmm. not about, uh, yeah, you can adapt faster than many others. Uh, just uh, if SEO works, do it. If YouTube works, do it. If YouTube uh, will lose, uh, lose anything, so you can adapt to new environment by having experience to film, to create video content, and yeah, to adapt faster than many others. Uh, Chad, I have the final question about your hobby. I found on LinkedIn that you have a hobby, bicycle rider uh, of the mountain and touring so and uh, about hipster can you tell more about that how it can help you uh, in your business you know because i know it takes time you know when you go to the mountain you can spend uh, enough time you know uh, to this place so how it can help you on your business uh, you reload mind or anything else about that yeah well i i think uh, this is, I only know from my personal experience. So I'm a sample size of one and I can't speak for anybody else, but it seems to me that the, um, 
the, this idea of hustle and working really long hours, that seems to be counterproductive for the most part. And I know that it's necessary sometimes to really work hard and work more hours. Uh, but my, my suggestion would be to find whatever the balance is for, for you, like, fit, like really pay attention to when you're most creative and taking advantage of that. And so for me, for example, uh, morning is, is my best time. And then after about four to six hours, uh, I, I just like my, my, my brain checks out, but also going back to the mountain biking, uh, getting out and doing something, even just taking a walk and, and just being in a park, uh, that, that tends to allow me to let go of the things that are not important. And that, and that helps me focus on what needs to be done in the business. And I actually think that that's a really good metaphor for starting a business and for marketing is, is the more you can cut out and the, the better you can focus, the better off you'll be and the faster you'll be successful. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, that's why I have two dogs. You know, I can uh, spend time with them. Uh, I walk with them yeah. so they can help me to reload my mind. And I love playing basketball. You know, so, yeah, uh, uh, I usually take my son to soccer and can play basketball for many hours. Yeah, it helps. It helps to reload mine. Yeah, I agree with that. And Chat, you're in a good place better. to do it in Florida. Yeah. Oh, Florida is an awesome place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Chad, uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah. Yeah. The easiest way to reach me is um, on my website, iomastery.com. And from there, you can find a, a LinkedIn, a link to, to connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay, guys, you can find these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, thanks again for your time. You know, big pleasure. Uh, a lot of valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow chat because you can see a lot of value. Just learn from people who have experience to achieve results. I love it more than just to read some uh, nonsense or stuff uh, because practical tips are more important to me. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.